Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are honoured to be joined by a true legend of British music, the great Glenn Matlock, uh, the original bassist and songwriter in the Sex Pistols. He also founded the band Rich Kids with Midyear in 1977, has toured and collaborated with the likes of Iggy Pop, Blondie, Primal Scream and many more, and has released several solo albums, the latest of which is called Consequences Coming and is released on April the 27th. Uh, Glenn, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you and whereabouts are you joining us from? I'm in um, Los Angeles, actually. Very I'm nice. here doing some stuff with Blondie, and then I've got a gig coming up with my um, band. Well, we're going to do a one-off show at the Roxy. I've got, I've managed to write, write some likely legends. Pam's going to play drums for me, and Gilby Clark, who's played with loads of people, comes and roses particularly. Oh, so we're going to do a one-off show after the Blondie stuff, and then I head back to England. Um at the end of the month for my record coming out, we've got some shows there. So, been a busy boy. Brilliant. How, yeah. How's it been playing with Blondie? It's been good. I've been doing it about a year now, actually. Um, I kind of known them in sort of little drips and drabs for a long, long time. I've been mates with Clem, and we've done loads of projects together over the years, and we play pretty well to each other. And they've got a great body of work, yeah. Yeah. Debbie's fantastic. Sings like a bird. Yeah, it's good. It's, they're interesting. You know, I mean, what I like about Blondie, you know, thought within the punk thing came through on it but i always thought they was like an arty pop band you know like in the same way that talking heads were you know they're sort of yeah pop pop music with an interesting twist and they've certainly got that whole new york greenwich village sort of coming out the beatnik thing yeah kind of down that's kind of cool yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah fantastic well, but in the meantime you know for my sins I've, i made a a record which I'm pretty happy with actually I'm getting great feedback on it so let's see what happens you know amazing I mean yeah the, the, you know I've been I've been listening to the album uh this past week and it's been um yeah it's a fantastic listen and I was I was sort of really curious to 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 ask you about you know what it was that that first sort of sparked this record because you know uh, it, it's a lot of the songs on there they're quite pointed and direct in you know addressing the political state of the world at the moment the state of the government both well i, I guess in the uk but you, same things could be applied to the us from recent years as well and um, yeah and other places too yeah yeah um, and i i wondered if there was like a was there a particular moment that sort of made you go right that's it I'm, i want to write a record that addresses these topics just, or was it something just that built so, up over time yeah i'd say what you're saying but it's, it's just sort of a small bit of seething resentment on top of another small bit of seething resentment, you know, and so yeah. soon you get this this kind of mountain of seething resentment building up in here. What can you do about it? Well, you can go on a march, which I've done, and have fun, and I laugh, and you meet like-minded people, or you can sound up on Twitter, which I do, and all that. Yeah. But I've kind of got an outlet. I'm a songwriter, and I'm fortunate enough to get songs put out. Yeah, I've got a massive record company behind me or anything like that, but Cooking Vinyl kind of cool. And it's almost like a kind of psychoanalyst couch I'm sitting on. You know, how many yeah. songwriters end up at, at the shrinks? You know, maybe they yeah. don't as much as other people because they got an outlet through their music. Yeah. So, um, you know, and hopefully, you know, a song coming out and people liking it is a bit like being a standard bearer in an army. You know, you, you got yeah. something for people to rally around. And a yeah. lot of people picking up on what I'm saying, you know. And I think all you can do 
with what's been going on. It's, I like Steve Bray, you know, in, in Parliament Square. In fact, I sent him the single head on a stick and him and his missus put all pictures of the Tories up on sticks. <laughs> and they played they play the song outside Pounding Street. I heard Fantastic. about that. that was, yeah. yeah, that was it's, it's like, all you can do is keep sniping away at them, you know, like, yeah. Like gnats or mosquitoes until they've had enough and they run off going, oh, well, we can't stand it anymore. That's the idea anyway. Yeah. So. No, it's, well, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's brilliant to hear these sort of, you know, topics being addressed in music. So I feel like it's not really, uh, it doesn't happen too often. You know, there aren't too many people at the moment releasing music that are, you know. Well, really... having, yeah, but having said that though, so I haven't heard it yet, but a couple of people have sent me a link. To Shaking Stevens, of all people, really? we like Shaking Stevens doing a song called "All You Need Is Greed." Wow, <laughs> that's no, so, yeah. it's not the um. That, that's saying a lot, you know. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't have. Uh, I don't think too many people would have had Shaking Stevens down as right in the uh, the sort of <laughs> next protest record coming out of. Yeah, uh, I know. But it shows, shows you how peeved, peeved people are getting. Yeah. Yeah, wow, <laughs> that's incredible. I, I I wasn't aware of that, um, yeah, but yeah, I might I might have to give it a listen. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's loads of people down there. It's just maybe. I mean, I was a bit worried, but I mean, I wrote a lot of the album in the lead up to just before lockdown. I didn't finish the album then, and I sort of done a version of it. And then in lockdown, I kind of looked at it a bit more. I thought, well, actually, no, maybe the vocals could be better. This line here could be better, and that. And then I wrote a couple of new songs, which is the first one, Head on a Stick, and This Chip, which I actually recorded at tail end of lockdown. And Burke played drums and hose remotely in Los Angeles. You know, musicians found a way of doing things online without even team, you know, being in the same place at the same time. It, it kind of works, you know. The only thing is you don't have a laugh and get a chance to take the mickey out of everyone. Yes. Religiously badly, you know. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> And it, those two songs kind of crystallised what I was thinking. But you know, the whole Brexit thing coming up, I mean, it's terrible for musicians. It's terrible for everybody. Really, it's stupid. Yeah, it, 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 it is. Um, what's the word? It's it's unsustainable, you know. And it it won't last. It's just a waste of time, money, and effort. Think of all the things that could be done if the energy that's gone into Brexit had been put to something of more, yeah, you know, more more important. No, you know, I, and all it all it was is like a cost to over the heads of the harder of thinking. I think um, people to make them vote for the Tories. You know, oh, you're better than the bloke in the strata below you. It's it's rubbish. Yeah, it's yeah. rubbish. So anyway, where am I going with this? So anyway, the songs, not all the songs on the album, but you know, it's it's a rock hmm. pop rock record. You know, some kind of boy girl songs. Going yeah. all right, going wrong. I'm miserable. No, I'm not. I'm happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Tied in with, I mean, what, what are records about anyway? I think one of the best titles ever. My mate Pete Wiley from um, the Mighty Bar wrote "Star of the Blues." He had an album called "Songs of Strap Through Heartbreak," and that's kind of what a good song is all about, really. You know, yeah. you kind of learn something, you pick up on it, and you don't let the buggers grind you down next time around. Yeah. No, absolutely, and um, and like you said, yeah, there are there are lots of um, it isn't entirely you know a political or fully you know a, a protest record. There are other moments on there as well. There's some sort of romantic songs, and there's also a um, there's a cover of "Constant Craving" by K D Lang on there as well, which I was quite intrigued by. I was wondering how that came about. What was the uh, 
you know, when did well, you decide to throw I'd that always, into the record? I'd always like that song. When I do an album, I like to throw in a curveball. On my last album, Good To Go, I don't know if you heard it, Man, I got a pretty cracking version of Montague Terrace in Blue by Scott Walker, yeah. which he did as a massive big ballad, you know, 76-piece orchestra and his luscious, dark brown, sexy baritone voice, you know, and I did it with Slim Jim Phantom from Stray Cats. Yeah. Admittedly, he plays kettle drums on it, which is cool. And El <laughs> yeah. Slick, you know, doing his kind of Evo, David Bowie, Eros type guitar thing. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting, but Constant Craven, I, I like the song. Sometimes, if you're a, a limited musician, I like a simple thing done well. And sometimes you try and play a song, and it's, it's all these chord changes, and I'll, I'll get that. You know, it's a bit, a bit simpler, and you find a way of doing it. Yeah. And then I was just in the studio. I think maybe one of the guys broke the snare skin or something like that. So I started strumming. Hey, what's that? Well, it's this KD Lang song. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds good. Let's have a go at it. You know, and then the snare gets fixed and you, you put it down. But also, as well as it being a sort of romantic song, I think it fits in with the, the theme of the album. And it's, it's again, it's a song of, about yearning and a craving there's something a bit better in our lives. Um, so, yeah, yeah no, there you go. I didn't realise it's been pointed out to me afterwards that it's kind of quite a a, a gay anthem. Um, didn't know that. Good yeah. for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, on you know, on that subject of, you know, yearning and hoping for something better and, you know, ho- hopefully feeling a little bit of optimism, I was wondering how you how you feel about where things are at the moment and, and how you feel about things are going to sort of possibly change over the coming months and, and, and years well, perhaps, you know, do you think I, things I, are going to get better? Well, the... gonna, I, sorry, sorry, I'll get where you're going, but um, yeah. I, just to recap on what I said before, the point I was trying to make was that the songs I'd written, I thought back then, you know, and, I'm 66 and a half now. I'm not the, the biggest selling pop artist in the world. It's not always easy to get record out. And I was beginning to think I'd lost my moment with what I was kind of talking about. But it's, it's just, just has been getting worse. So I don't think I've lost my moment at all. In fact, I was in New York over the weekend doing press for Consequences Coming at Sirius Radio up uptown a little bit by Rockefeller Plaza. And guess what was happening on the same day? Donald Trump was going downtown to be arraigned. All right, from yeah. Trump Tower to effect, and there's all these helicopters and all that, and I'm going, consequences coming. <laughs> no, no, mate. Yeah, no. So maybe I haven't missed yeah. I think it's all beginning to come to a head, you know. It's yes. this big, it's, it, you know, a shout to a mate of mine, James Stevenson. Um, he's been tailing the Gen X and done lots of playing and all that. But he was talking about what's the worst word you can ever think of. Yeah. And he came out straight away and he said, carbuncle. <laughs> right. Well, at the moment, I think we've got this kind of festering carbuncle and somebody's going to go and it's going to go, wallop. And everybody's yeah. going to go, wow. You know, <laughs> sigh of relief. What happens next? I don't know. But what I'd like yeah. to see is this horrible, horrible, pernicious brand of Tories be totally decimated at the next election. Yeah, I think a couple of other things are going to happen. I've been following the news in England. That Tory MP who's another yet another one going on about sort of taking bribes from um, uh, gambling companies, you know, to to lobby ministers and and stuff. It's it, yeah. something something more is going to happen, and I think they're going to have to have an early election. 
maybe even before the end of this year you know it does you're right it does feel like it's coming to a bit of a head i think that you know uh, if you go back to brexit you know there was still you know half the country at least that was sort of felt like oh well, it's going to be good it's going to be great whatever you know they kind of bought into the the lie that that was brexit but i think now the reality of it is starting to bite and the cost of living and all that kind of stuff i do think it feels like people are finally going hang on a minute this this can't yeah. really work you know, anymore, you know. the poor kids trying to go on their skiing trips you know like they yeah. saved up and looking for all year and then missed off of it because they're stuck in dover the whole thing is a nonsense yeah the whole thing is a nonsense but anyway, you know, I mean, that's that one aspect of what I do. I'm, yeah. I'm not Arakali or, or trying to be Trotsky or, or Lenin or somebody like that. I'm just some bloke who's trying to call out what's wrong. Yeah. I'm definitely not a right-wing Tory, but I don't quite know. You know, neither am I the biggest Islam supporter. I think his biggest mistake is not spelling out to everybody what a nonsense Brexit is. Yeah. And I'm saying that as a musician who's, who's who, with kids who are musicians who are going to, going to be affected by it. You know, yeah. the most fantastic thing in my lifetime was the freedom of movement that came out, and that's been wrenched away from us. Mm, nice. you know, and yeah. yes, it kind of affected some people over here, but it wasn't policed properly. And if it had been, we wouldn't be in this yeah. scenario. Nice. There you go. But any, anyway, so moving on from that, I think what I've managed to do on the album is pull in some chums, but my chums happen to be pretty good players and stuff. And I think there's a whole kind yeah. of body of work by people who've got great bodies of work behind them that they can draw on. Like it's all added up to making a good toe-tapping album with some top tasty tunes and anything else you can think that we begins with t yeah <laughs> no it's, it's true i mean that's the thing yeah. you know the, the, the lyrics are one thing but it is a really direct musical record as well if you know it's full of energy the way it's been recorded and produced it fit, it's got real punch and kind of energy behind it you know it's a, it's an exciting sounding record as well you know it's not you know uh, yeah want to make that point if it's not too bogged down with it's just a heavy political record it's a really enjoyable album to listen to as well um can you tell us a bit about how how you Good. how you made it? Like, what, when when did you first start working on it, and how how long did it take you to? Uh, well, I've just to, sort of just prior to the lockdown thing. You know, I mean, when you make an album, you don't write all the songs the day before and then go and record it, and the day it comes out, it just don't work like that. You know, and there's logistics involved, and what kind of deal you can get on a studio, and also I've been touring and was kind of getting up ahead of steam with El Slip. We've been to Japan and we've done some gigs over here. And then he was in London hanging out with me. And then I said, well, look, I've got all these songs I've been working on in drips and drabs. You're going to be around when you come and play. And he said, well, I'm going to go back to the States. But, yeah, I'll be here then. So I thought, right, back a studio to make use of him being in England. And then by happenstance, I went to a... Um, opening of the Clash exhibition at the Barbican, standing up, mm. talking to some people. And Norman Watt tapped me on the show, and I turned around and said, oh, I don't know, what are you doing? And if ever, anybody ever has a picture with me and him together, I always say, um, bass player, me, bass player and half, Watt yeah. Right. I said, what are you doing yeah. next week? And he said, not a lot, really. I said, I thought you'd be busy. And he said, well, everybody thinks that, so they don't call me up. Yeah. I said, he said, well, I said, I'm going to the studio. I said, you want to come and play some bass with me? Yeah, I'd mm. love to. So he came in the studio. So it was oh, great. Really? You know, I, I played rhythm guitar on most of the, the songs. And yeah. Norman's on, on the bass. A couple of ones that I'd written a bit later. I 
didn't want to impose upon him too much, and I just did the other ones myself. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I like I like writing a really simple song, throwing it to the band, and then see where it goes. You know, so yeah. it's an adventure. It's, but the only thing with that is, you know, you're up against the clock of studio time. You can't be there for months and months and months. Well, you yeah. could be if you could afford it, but or you got your own studio. I don't know, you know. But anyway, so I did it like that and then took the tapes away and kind of worked on a lot of the vocals and singing at home where you, then you don't have the clock watching there. Yeah, it's yeah. come out, it's come out. Okay, brilliant. I mean, I wanted to ask you about... Um, how you you know well if or how your sort of songwriting approaches maybe changed or evolved over the years because you know particularly given the amount of different artists you've worked with you know whether that's an you know collaborating in studio or touring with different bands presumably you're exposed to a lot of different ways of creating and, and ways of making music and i wondered if there's been any like any notable moments or artists that have sort of influenced you whether it's even if it's not directly and you know making you sound different or sound a certain way but well, it's approaches I, I, I in the think, studio or you know, what, yeah whatever you do you can't but fail to pick things up whether you realize it or not as you go along and it's almost by osmosis and i actually you know i've normally got a song on the go and i'm kind of i was talking to mid-year about this you know what, what radio you listen to talk radio but i do as well yeah. And it's because if you hear a song and you're writing a song, the song you're writing is going to end up what you just listened to. You know, so you've got to be careful. Yeah. And that, I, I, but, you know, just doing stuff with Blondie. He didn't end up doing it in the end. But when I started doing it, I learned Denis Denis before I came over. Yeah. Now, I don't, this might be a bit technical for you. I don't know. But it goes intro, verse, chorus. And then... um and there's a key change for the second verse. Yeah. Well, nobody ever, nobody ever does that. And um, I thought, well, that's quite a useful kind of thing to do. Um, so maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Okay, Little yeah, things like that. I don't know, but you know, I mean, my yardstick for writing songs is all those bands from the sixties. I don't want to sound like a band from the sixties, but all that Tamil Motown stuff and the early kinks and who and all that. What a great yardstick for writing a three-minute pop song, you know. Yeah. Beginning, yeah. middle and end. Do you know what? I was made to be a McGlagan. And I said, what you've been doing? This is quite a while back. And he said, well, I've been doing a bit with Dylan and Springsteen calls me up. I'm not so keen, but he pays well. Yeah. He said, but you, yes, keep calling me up to go and play keyboards with him. He's going, yes. What do I, I want to do with yes? He said, I, I want a song with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and they don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unless you're getting into some kind of funk groove kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Brilliant. I mean, do you know what? I had the weirdest dream last night. I'll just share this with you. I, I watched yeah. a snip on line of um, uh, Sly and the Family Stone doing a song, thank, I think it's it, Thanks for Being My Friend or something. And it's just like one groove, one call all the way through. And watch it just before I went to bed and probably had a bit of cheese before I went to bed and all. Anyhow, yeah. woke up in the middle of the night that I was in the middle of Trump's arraignment trial in the big courthouse, which I walked past downtown in Manhattan. Yeah, And there was all these people coming out of the woodwork to see what was going on. 
but they had music playing. And I thought, where's the music coming from? And like, you know, the sound desk in the middle of a gig, there was yeah. a little tent that sat up there and I stuck my head around the door and who was the bloke doing the sound? It was Sly Stone. This is in my dream. And I went, oh, hello, I'm playing. And he went, oh, yeah, I know who you are. Right? I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm not playing. I'm just playing the music. And I said, no, I get that. <laughs> and they were playing that song, you know, thank you for wow. being my friend and a little bit of chops. There's something, something in the water over her, I think. It yeah. explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting one. <laughs> so, um, so what what are your plans for the the rest of the year? I know, obviously, you know, got the album coming out at the end of the month, and you'll be coming over here to well, do some dates. I'm a busy boy. I'm here for I've got three more Blondie shows, but they're big ones at Coachella, took Coachella and Greek Theatre, and then I do my gig here. Been doing a whole bunch of press, speaking to lovely chaps like you. Then I, I fly back on the thirtieth, and I start rehearsing with my guys in England. We got some shows doing the Under Club on the sixth of May somewhere in Leeds. I'm in Reading. I've got a whole bunch of spots to do. I'm setting up more shows through the rest of the year, really. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be busy, get it while it's going. But I've been getting some good feedback on the record, so. Yeah, amazing. You know, I'm getting lots of love over here as well, and there's some more stuff. Blondie, one one or two one-offs in late summer over here, which I'll come and do. Yeah. Just go where the... um, go where the work is you know yeah. and it's work but it's also kind of fun but i mean last weekend out of the blue them said oh, i've got a session i stayed where new york and they flew us to new york from la and we went and recorded this track for um this movie they're making about a guy who's, it's called bowery boy and he bought he was brought up on the bowery and sort of had his ups and downs and it's made good yeah but they dug out this old 130 year old kind of vaudevillian song that we did a version of, but it was me and Clem on bass and drums and um, uh, Richard Lloyd from television on guitar and it was in the Ivor Julian studio and Bob Gruen's son sang it. He's pretty good singer. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know. Brilliant. I, I like doing like that. Yeah. I'd must... rather do one thing, but I only really do one thing. I, well, two things. I play rock and roll, you know. Yeah. <laughs> country and Western. <laughs> yeah. That, that must be a fun thing, though, being able to sort of like move between all those different projects, doing your own your own work, but then yeah, working and collaborating with all these different bands and artists. It must be quite a uh, must be quite exciting. Yeah, it is. I'm not, not, not going to be sort of flippant about it. It's, I've kind of been doing it to different degrees over many a year now. Yeah. Um, and it's just all seems to. I mean, now I'm struggling to fit things in, yeah. but you know what I see my career as. My art is being a songwriter and presenting those songs, mm. and 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 my craft is being a bass player. You know, not bad on the bass. So, yeah, the phone rings. You know, and it gets you into all kinds of scrapes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but good ones. You know, I mean, I, I can't complain. I'm never blondie. I flew over every rehearsed one day in Hoboken in New Jersey, just opposite Manhattan. Flew to Miami, played there the next day, and then when we played in Mexico City, and the next thing, I mean, we go to Colombia where we did a couple of shows, and then I come back here. So it's yeah. busy. It's not bad. <laughs> not bad. No. no still. But listen, mate, my phone is now going a little bit with some other things I've got to do. I've really enjoyed. Yeah talking to you good questions um 
I'm oh. glad you seem to pick up on the record. You know. Thank you. Well, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, Glenn. Thank you. And congratulations on the record as well. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for taking some time out of what I know is a very busy schedule to have a chat with us. So thank you. All right, fella. My name you go. Cheers, Glenn. Thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.